Okay, chaps, it's the duty of podcasters to always tell the truth, and lies need many words. So from now on, we're only going to talk in single word sentences. Really? Yes. Why? Because. No. No? No. Fine. Rebel. Absolutely. Well? What? Rebel. No. No. Later. Fine. Squirrel. Huh? Buttermilk. Okay. Random. What, Laura? Understood. Understood. So? Snowmen. Amazeballs. Mm, careful. Hyphenated. Cheating. Whatever. Begin. How? Jingle. Bells. No. A radio jingle. Cue. The. Theme. Squirrel. Jingle, 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 Ho, 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 Christmas pudding. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the first Oodcast of 2013. Lucky for some. My name is Laura the Ood, a.k.a. Laura Sigma, a.k.a. Laura the Indomitable, and I have with me the very delectable Chris Sigma. Hello, everyone. We are starting 2013 as we mean to go on by producing this episode incredibly late. <laughs> <laughs> that is good. And to my right, I have the dulcet-toned Alpha. Hello. That's good. That I was like exceptionally dulcet. That was very dulcet. Thank you, I've been practicing. Hey. It, it, was, it was like a chocolate earthquake or something <laughs> like that. No, a chocolate earthquake is oh. something very different. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Not to mention that Alf is allergic to chocolate. So if you see him at and Galley... probably earthquakes too. Yes. I haven't found out yet. Well, don't give chocolate, him chocolate do or you get a chocolate earthquake? <laughs> <laughs> that is for me to know and you to find... No, Never, no. Not find ever out. find That sounds out. like a challenge, Alf. <laughs> mm. oh. Right, well, you can conduct experiments or maybe Andy can. Yeah, Dish. I'm- I'm good with them. I've got a test tube. <laughs> you, and a Bunsen burner. Do you actually, though? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you should see his face. He looks so cute today. Anyhow, um, so because it's the start of the year, we've all been on a bit of a news detox because, you know, the new year should be full of positivity and fun and all that jazz. So consequently, there's no Oodcast news this week, but we're going to just launch straight into our review of The Snowmen, not the one by Raymond Briggs. Yes? What do you want, human? This better be important, or I shall forcibly introduce you to the rear end of your donkey at some speed, and head first. Pardon me, boy. My wife and I have travelled many miles from the town of Nazareth in Galilee for the census. Might you have a room for the night? I am with child, and my time is drawing near. No. Where is this child you are with? I carry him yet in my belly, boy. You've eaten it? Good plan. The offspring of enemy forces are a rich source of nutrients. Uh, you misunderstand. My, my wife is about to give birth to a baby boy. 
A gift to humanity. The greatest gift the world has ever seen. I don't understand human concepts such as birthing. We are a clone race. It is far less messy. Um, may we talk to your father, lad? Did you just blow up our donkey? I did. And perhaps next time you'll think twice before making jokes about my height. We, we meant no offence. The night air bites shrewdly and we are so very far from home. Also, I have donkey bits all over my dress. Puny humans! You should have thought of all that before you developed flesh susceptible to freezing temperatures. Please have mercy. I could use a thermal grenade on you, I suppose. Or some sort of plasma flamethrower. That would heat you up. Is there nowhere we could stay? Perhaps we could take a neighbouring inn by force, drive out its residents screaming and wailing before us, and claim their space as some sort of overflow accommodation for peak business. We, we don't want anyone to suffer on our behalf. We could attack Matthew's place round the corner. I've never liked Matthew. He's still got that manger I lent him two months ago. He's practically asking for our crushing. Please, sir. Have some humanity. Every inn and hostelry is full, and I am so very, very tired. <laughs> yes, well, cease your cheek moistening at once. <laughs> I care less for you than I did your donkey beast. <laughs> Although, perhaps there is a solution. Yes? I have a stable out back. I use it to keep the cattle and store several large nuclear warheads. It's little more than a cave, really. It's not comfortable or clean. I wouldn't wish it on my worst rootin. But it's yours if you want it. Sir, you are a saint. I can't tell you how much this means to us, to the world. Yes. Well, follow the alley round to the back of the lodgings. I'll bring blankets and wood for a fire. Step quickly before I change my mind and use you as slow, waddling target practice. How can we ever repay you? There's no need, human. Merry Christmas! I've never heard that saying before. It's something I've heard your kind say many years from now. I think it signifies hope that Earth might one day be a place of peace. It is a blessed thought indeed. Um, Merry Christmas to you too. Hmm, nice family. Right, where did I put my laser sword? Here we go. Now, where was I? Ah, yes, Matthew. Matthew, open up for a moment, man. I just want to wish you a Merry Christmas. kick off then um if any if everybody can just give me their first impression of the episode all together or one at a time yeah let's do it all together mm -hmm. okay okay mm -hmm. one two three oh, brilliant magical yeah. Yeah. Being yeah. assured I, yes okay uh, only one of us was reading off paper then <laughs> <laughs> i didn't actually say any words either <laughs> all right so uh, now we've ruined our listeners eardrums Maybe we should just take it to, uh, one at a time. Andy, what did you think? I thought it was, uh, oh, it was great Christmas stuff. Very Panto-esque in places. A mixture of Panto with Richard E. Grant doing a fantastic Panto-y performance. And also Strax 
Um, what's the name of the actor? Because he's brilliant. Dan, Dan Starkey. Dan Can I just say at this point, met Dan Starkey the other day. I was in an audience and I turned around and saw him behind me. And I guess he doesn't get recognised that often because he looks quite different without the makeup on. And so I think he was he had a quite a pleasant surprise when I went, love the Christmas episode. Oh, I love the Christmas episode. Uh, I wasn't lying to him. And then we had a nice chat for about five, ten minutes about it. And he said he'd listen to this episode. Did, did, did I, he I tell at you all how get... you can recognise Dan Starkey. He's tiny. No, his teeth. Oh, yeah. Honey, he's listening to this episode. <laughs> Dan, Dan, I don't mean you have bad teeth. My brother's a dentist, by the way. But I don't mean you've got bad teeth. You got nice teeth. I just I can tell it was I could tell it was you when I saw your face. Your mouth. Your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he was a, a hugely nice guy and chatted to me for for quite some time without it seeming like he didn't want to. And he seems incredibly enthusiastic it's a very about good the whole actor, thing. As I said, mm. yeah, and it seemed like he didn't mind. And also, you know the Sontar and Carols that they released on the website? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He made all those up. Mm-hmm. Oh, Damn awesome. you. And they were really funny. I was going <laughs> to do those. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> okay, Alf, what did you think? Um, I... Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was the most enjoyable Christmas special for quite a while, I think. No, ever, maybe. I don't know. I just really, really enjoyed it. I, I thought Richard E. Grant was, wasn't pantomime really, because there was no real camp involved. He was just quite threatening um, and quite icy. I thought he played he played it perfectly. Um, I loved the fact that the great intelligence was in it. That set the, the big geek in me um, uh, jumping up and down off the sofa. Um, <clears throat> the extra characters were incredibly well used and rather funny. So I really loved it, and the littlest Doctor said it was the best Doctor Who he'd ever seen. How many has he seen? Five. <laughs> that is quite a lot. So, yeah. <laughs> I agree with him very much, though. Um, I thought it was not unlike a amateur but fairly expert person who'd made a pair of replica Victorian bloomers because whilst it was frilly and just a little bit exciting and naughty and something that you wouldn't be without on a wintry night there were parts of it that were kind of a bit loose and should never be seen I thought especially towards the bottom half of the episode I think that metaphor may have got away from you a little bit (laughs) particularly the parts that were wet like wet bloomers, the wet parts of this episode were a bit rubbish. Do you mean they sort of like stuck to you in that annoying kind of way? Yes. Which bits were they? The wet bits with the crying. This family um, is so sad. It's that moth trope again of love saving the day. And I, I like that. Ugh. Love. Love schmuv. Would you care to expand on your views, oh husband of mine? No more than to say that I thought it was a... Expert confection. Not an amateur pair of bloomers. Not at all, no. I agree with the rest of the Oodcast when I say that I thought it was probably the best Christmas special. Blooming or... marvellous? Oh. oh, dear. <laughs> what, what type of it's confection? It's always better when telling jokes not to laugh at them immediately yourself. I'm, I'm kind of intrigued <laughs> as to the type of confection you were thinking. Uh, a frothy confection, a meringue. A meringue. Hmm. That kind of implies, you know, ephemeral and with no weight to it. Yes, but incredibly enjoyable when you're eating it. Andy, yeah, you mentioned Richard E. Grant and your admiration of his performance. Yes, I did. I thought he did a fantastic amalgamation of several things because I mentioned that he was slightly panto-esque in his villainy. Uh, He does that lovely sort of clenched teeth, talking through my clenched 
teeth all the time. But I like the emotional resonance of the performance as well. Um, Did you say the emotional resonance of the performance? No resonance. What what do you mean by that? Because I'm not sure exactly what you mean. The emotion lived inside him. Yes. Yes, that's exactly what I mean. Because when he's talking through his clenched teeth, you can tell that it's coming from the heart and that he's, you know, he's a a man who is, um, there's a lot of sadness. I like to keep my emotions outside me in some sort of terrarium. <laughs> there is a brilliant bit um, where he, where he, the great intelligence is revealed as being his younger self, mm. where his face becomes childlike again, mm. which is a exactly. great little understated bit of performance yeah, there. Exactly. In fact, I said to you just now when we watched it, didn't I? I said, this is beautifully played by Richard You D. did, Andy, and I agree with you. Well, I, I agree as well. I wasn't disagreeing with you. I just thought pantomime was slightly the wrong word. Okay. So I don't think it was camp enough to well, be pantomime. Yes, More I would, nuance. I would agree, but yeah. yes, there was a nuances of panto in there and a kind of like shading. You know? Yeah, but all, all Christmas specials are the Doctor Who pantos. They are slightly broader, they're slightly funnier, they're slightly sillier, they're more sentimental. But I mm. think when you go in expecting that, they are still a brilliantly put together. Which, of course, mm. brings us to Strax. Who is the most pantomime-esque element of it? And he the could most be pantomime, one of the dwarfs. Yeah. The most <laughs> pantomime-esque moment for me is when he's uh, looking for the mindworm. And it's a bit like one of those routines they do in pantomime mm. when in front of the curtain when they're doing a scene change behind. And to fill the time, they're doing a silly routine. Usually it's decorating and they all goes horribly wrong and they get covered in wallpaper and all that sort of stuff. Or a mop drill yeah. set on a boat. Except for unlike those scenes, I could very happily have watched that for the whole episode mm. without any problems at all. It made me laugh. It was awesome. Stephen Moffat is definitely one of the funniest writers mm. in television. That, at the that there should be the spin-off series, not Torchwood. That yeah. Strax. <laughs> the Adventures of Strax in Victorian London would do me fine, thank you. We could call it <clears throat> Strax, Strax's Potato Bumble Fun. <laughs> Strax's potato bumble fun. <laughs> wow. I guess so. We could do that. There's an adult oh. version of that as well. <laughs> I've set a test that's absurd. Explain your life in one word. Your brevity is preferred. But now you're on my mind. I've lost myself on a cloud. I'm bitter, lonely and proud. Companionship's not allowed. But now you're on my mind. You're so pretty, nice dress, fantawitty, you're a total fitty. Have we done before, baby? Hey, I just met you, and this is crazy. Thank you. 
So before we get too far into our discussion of the episode itself, I just wanted to say, were not the credits chuffing awesome? Oh, they were great, yeah. I loved that. Surprising and very different. Very great. modern, very fast moving, but also the most classic that we've mm. ever seen. Yeah, um, I one love reason that particularly. The face. The face, the face. <laughs> is brilliant. <laughs> It's Isn't just, it? It's, it's like it. everyone's hope in the Doctor is encapsulated in that moment because he's he's there throughout the universe. And it's, yes, I like that. Shimmering in the stars. Um, <laughs> Vortex what, effect what, what is what quite a... bloodstreamy, I think, mm. at times as well. There's kind of um, those liquid billowing cloud effects at times mm. as well, which which is kind of oddly organic, but rather mm. pleasing. Mm. I'm, I'm all, I, I was also told that the theme tune has changed slightly as well. It I'm has. rubbish at spotting this. Is that it true? Has. It's beefed up. Okay. It's, is it? it's got more oomph. I like it. Yeah. I'm not sure what that means, but okay. Boom. <laughs> it has the same tune. That's, I'm, yeah. I'm rubbish at noticing the music anyway. The Although one... I did notice the bit where they turned it into the Sherlock music. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, I think the last theme tune, I'm, I'm not great at either, but it, it didn't... It's, it, it's the effect it has on me where I can really tell I'm not great with the arrangements. But yeah, the last one was oddly... Still, it was odd. It didn't rouse you mm. in the way this one does. This one is, once again, a bit more oompa, a bit... Oompa. Mm. A bit more oompa, oompa. <laughs> I loved it. We're back to Strax again. Okay. Yeah. Yes. I like the title sequence because it makes the universe look strange and bizarre and full of weirdness, mm. which I think is a very Doctor Who thing. It's all the strange, strangeness of the universe and this man who's travelling through it and making it all okay. Should we then talk about the other thing that's changed? The white elephant. The, not the white elephant. The elephant in the room that Andy doesn't want to talk about. What, the TARDIS? The TARDIS. Mm. I loved we know you the old one. I know you did. Things change, Andrew. But I really <laughs> loved the old one. And I think it's interesting how the Moffat said that he wants to get back to the idea of the TARDIS as a machine. And mm. I've been enjoying the, the idea of it being a sort of living and growing organism. Because the Tenth mm. Doctor says at one point that they grew them, the Time Lords grew them. At a coral. Yeah. Uh, whereas now it's a machine. And has it still got the soul, you know, that we met in the Doctor's yeah, Wife? Absolutely. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure we'll see that when it's about, you know, more about the Doctor. And There is an episode set in the TARDIS coming up, isn't there? Like, in solely set inside. I really haven't looked at anything ahead because I want it to be a surprise. Sorry, mate. <laughs> it is. But, still I, but I, the I love TARDIS. the trailer. I think you'll find yeah. out because it's called Inside the TARDIS, I think. Is it? Yeah. Oh, well, I didn't know that either. Something like that. <sighs> it's still the TARDIS, but she's wearing kind of sexy body armour, which kind of reflects the Doctor's Ooh. sense of mind because he's tried to isolate himself off and yeah. close himself off from society and from emotion. But it's also, did anybody else notice the other set of sexy body armour in this episode? Mm. No? Was it uh, Jenny or the, um, what's her name, the lovely Savine woman? Vastra. 
was it her? Not Madame Vastra, no, her wife. Is that Jenny? Jenny. Jenny, mm. who was wearing some kind of embossed leather thing. She was, wasn't she? Mm. Woof. But going back to the TARDIS, away from the sexy... <laughs> embossed leather. Embossed leather. <laughs> I think it's very 1960s sci-fi. It's, I, it I has thought it was its quite, roots yeah. in that. I thought it was quite 1980s as well. There was the console had a you know quite a lot of echoes of Davison to to McCoy kind of era mm. and, and Loz's that, that's a magnificent blank look and many um, elements also of more recent consoles they've kept a lot of the levers I think mm. well I like the I also like the top of the time rotor the bit that looks mm. like a printing set mm. yeah. I quite like that and but, also when you come in how the the lights sort of scroll round yeah I love that like like the Olympics and they did the shot <laughs> they did the shot they did the shot that I talked about in my very first episode of the Ucast where they went from outside in in a, in a single mm. shot uh, I mean, I really wanted to go right across a field and into the tireless, but even so, that was a really good attempt. It, to take. They went start. across the cloud. They also do it in the, th- what is it, 30 years in the TARDIS documentary? Have you guys seen that? Yes. Yeah. Don't they do it in that? I just remember the irritating Anorak character. Does that count as official canon? Uh, no. Oh, well, there's but still room for you, Chris, don't worry. <laughs> they also do it in the pilot episode. No, they in don't. In 1963. They don't go well, into the TARDIS. kind of. No, there's a really, really kind long, of. continuous shot, moving shot, but it doesn't go in the TARDIS. It, you can see the police box. They've obviously put the police box prop outside the TARDIS set, so the camera looks in through the doors. One thing that I really wanted to bring out of this episode was just how fantastically all of the female characters were portrayed. I thought it was mm. an episode that was pretty hot on gender parity. Um, everything from the uh, great detective Sherlock Holmes actually being Madame Vastra, which is a nice little thing to drop in there, and um, what how how society might have actually recognised those two. Charlie, how long have you been my agent? Why, just over 15 years, Arthur. Blimey, that's ages, isn't it? And how many truly great books have I written in that time? Um, none, Arthur. Oh, that's right, Charlie. A big, fat nilpois for the Doylester. The what? The Doylester, that's what I call myself. Arthur Conan Doyle just sounds so damnably formal, doesn't it? I suppose. Anyway, I've just come up with a new idea for a hit series of books, and it's so good that when I thought of it, I blew my trousers off into my excitement. Is that why you're not wearing any trousers Yes, I was so excited, in fact, that I came straight round to see you, without even bothering to put on more trousers. Would you like a pair of mine? No, I'd probably blow yours off too. I'm in a state of jolly advanced excitement. Well, do tell me more. I think I've told you just about every damn thing I can about my trousers. No, wait, they were a very fine tweed. I meant about your idea. Right, I based it on some reports I've been reading in The Telegraph. It's about a detective. Guess what's interesting about her? The detective is a woman? She certainly is, Charlie, but that isn't the half of it. Keep guessing. She's a royal? Nope. Uh, A socialist? No. An automaton? Ah, close, she's a lizard. A a wizard? I love it. Cling your ears out, man, she's a lizard. A human-sized lizard with a samurai sword and limitless deductive reasoning. Well, that's preposterous. People would talk. Ah, but she wears a veil. She operates solely at night. People think it's a skin condition and that she's from the Orient. And you say you read about this in the Telegraph? Mm, I made some deductive leaps. She's mysterious, impatient, brilliant but deeply flawed, a truth seeker from the dawn of humanity, able to beat the men at their own game. What does her husband think? Nothing. She's married to her maid. She's her assistant 
and her lover. Can I have my trousers back, Arthur? Certainly, Charlie. Here you go. Thank you. So, what do you think? I like it. I would, however, suggest just a few amendments. And what would they be, Charlie? Well, instead of a samurai lesbian lizard woman, she should be a man. Just a normal man. Right. How about the maid? She should have a big moustache and be called John. Right. But we'll still know she's a woman, won't we, Charlie? Just you and I. Just you and I, Arthur. And perhaps the man could be a lizard underneath his skin. Yes, but we'll never mention it or even hint at it, and it'll never be narratively important in any way. Okay, Charlie, you've got yourself a deal. Smashing. I'll get Beaton's Christmas Annual on the phone. The scene in the um, greenhouse where they're discussing mm. the Doctor and why he is the way he is with that fabulous one-word scene. And um, I know that Sigma has got a few things to say about that. No, I agree. I just feel like the female characters were a lot more present than they have been sometimes in the past. They're not sort of just props. They're clever without everyone having to mm. go, oh, she's clever, isn't she? Isn't she clever? They just are. I mean, Lady Vasper in particular is like the Doctor's new mentor, almost. Mm. Uh, she's brilliant, and she just has this great relationship, which is, she's an equal, and he and he doesn't huff about it, and he doesn't, he just trusts her, mm. and, and he listens to what she has to say. Miss Montague, Miss Montague, tell us a story. What kind of story, children? One of your tall tales. They're all entirely true, I assure you. Even the one about how you redesigned the pirate flag? Certainly. Before me, it was called the Grumpy Roger. How about the time you saved Queen Victoria from Jack the Whipper? I did very little, actually. She'd got her teeth around his throat before I even got there. Or how you created the North Wind when you sneezed? I have a strong diaphragm. Don't ever give me pepper. Remember how you said you'd named England after your favourite uncle? Yes. Dear Uncle England, he had a huge red nose from drinking too much brandy and he laughed more than was considered polite. So you're telling us you can really cause tea sets to levitate with just your mind? I call them flying saucers. And that you're related to everyone called Barry? I have a lot of cousins. Did you really conquer France with just a pipe cleaner? I think I also had half a baguette at some point. Will you show us the detailed map of India to two down your back? No. But that's why I had to trek from Bombay to Mysore carrying two full-length mirrors. Do you really expect us to believe each of your hands are capable of independent sentient thought and movement that they're called Tony the Tiger and Tambourine Face and that they are no longer on speaking terms? It's also the reason I'll never play the piano. Father said it's all poppycock. I knew a man with that once. Every time he had a wee, he fell asleep. Come on, let's go and play in the garden. We can pretend to freeze to death in that pond like our dead former governess. Those are some seriously messed up kids. Shut up, tambourine face. Shall we talk specifically about Clara now? For she is very definitely the new companion, although obviously this particular incarnation isn't the one that we'll have in the TARDIS. Mm. We still don't know whether we'll have almost a new Clara every week, do we? But what do we think of uh, Jenna's performance? Brilliant. Extremely good, actually. Brilliant. Yeah. Yes, right from the get-go. I agree. She is so brilliant. Mm. I think, I mean, she's obviously very attractive, but also she is an incredible actress. She has real depth 
to her portrayal. She has a way with the Moffat line and, um, yes, swims in his words like it was her own environment. <laughs> As if she was a beautiful fish. As That's if she was lovely, born to it. lovely quote from the Moth about her audition where he says, uh, "You at auditions you give the uh, actors a script that tells them who the character is and then they tell you who the character is through their performance. Ah, and clearly that's and what she did. Nothing, yeah. I just, I really like the fact that, you know, she's athletic. She's got no problem in vaulting onto the top of a carriage when it's going at full lick and jumping around everywhere, which I think we possibly lacked a little bit of athleticism in the companions of late, possibly excluding Jenny. Um, and she's brave, you know, who would actually step off the top of a ladder onto a cloud? Mm. Who would do that? But mm. she just does it and she jumps off the end. And how how incredibly amazing do you have to be to do that? And just little hints like, um, oh, I've got an acute sense of time. And doesn't like swimming alone. Her, I, I her wonder confidence if, in her own opinions is brilliant. I wonder if she's uh, a non-human companion. I wonder if we're going to mm. find out that she's some sort of intelligence that moves from host body to host body. Yeah. I mean, that could be obviously but this is the central mystery of this next exactly season or half season. I like all the mystery that's surrounding her at the minute, and I am very excited about it. I wonder why she always has two sort of personalities, employments, um, life is, if you know what I mean. Because she was the barmaid. We don't know why she was a barmaid and also a governess. And then in the Dalek story, she was a junior entertainment manager, but also a Dalek. Yeah, there always seems to be two sides to this. Or for the two incarnations we've seen, mm. those incarnations are then split into... A dual characters. So. Just, there, there is a slight difference, though, in that I don't think she could have chosen to be a Dalek. Mm. But she obviously chose to be a barmaid and a governess yeah. in this but, one. But from a writer's <clears throat> point of view, she has been presented as a character with dual yeah. sides. Yeah. We've, we've realised, of course, that the Doctor can just get back people who died. A friend brings them back. Is somebody bringing her back? I think that's Lady Vastra. Uh, and I think that's just Stephen Moffat. Well, it's just, just dodging over the Strax question, which yeah. I very yeah. much admire. I didn't yeah. need a big techno babble no. reason for him mm. to come back. Everybody loves Strax. That's mm. all you need. He's a clone race. Yeah. Bring fine. him back because he's ace. Mm. No reason needed. Oh, for goodness sake, woman. All I said was that you had surprisingly little wisdom for one so ugly. There's no need to take offence. Now, who's next? It's a, a Miss Strax, I believe. Ah. Is there something wrong, puny human? I mean, sir? Um, no, no not at all. You're just rather unusual looking for a governess, that's all. I had an encounter with a traction engine last week. I see. I mangled it. The foul creature controlling it was most displeased. Well, uh, please do take a take a seat, yes. Very well. By force or by stealth. Ah, I, I meant sit down. Uh, I see from your application that you come highly recommended and that your problem-solving abilities are second to none. I always favour a full frontal attack on any problem. Just the ticket for my children, I imagine. You have children? Filthy things. So, um... <clears throat> Miss Strax, let us say that uh, one of the children have fallen over in the garden and has grazed their leg. But what would you do? Which child? Um, Digby, I should think. Is that the boy one? Indeed it is. Very well. 
I would soothe his wound with some tincture made from dandelion roots and sparrow's hearts, then remove any stains from his clothing using milk and acid. Right, and if it was Francesca? Is that the girl one? It is. I would give it a tectonic plasma grenade to soothe the nerves. And and what would that achieve, aside from soothing the nerves? She would be obliterated. My race has no need for females. I see. Well, let's move on, shall we? Uh, Digby... Is that the boy one? Yes, he struggles with mathematics at school. Uh, would you be able to help him with that? Of course! My training included many mathematical challenges to conquer. Uh, such as? Accurately blowing an enemy into a thousand pieces. How, how would you help him learn his multiplication? I would have him learn his tables like every other miniature human scum. I mean lovely child. Anything else? Acid. Ah, I suppose you mean an acid tongue for his mistakes, eh? No, I would spray acid in his puny little face. Eh? I mean, yes. Okay. Uh, Francesca? Is that the girl one? Yes. Uh, She struggles with her needlework. Would you know how to help her too? Of course. I would have her practice by sewing a large tent from the inside. Sounds most instructive. Oh, it is. Especially as I would also place in the tent several loads of exothermic plastic explosives, 16 laser cannons set to vaporise, and a handful of genic night grenades for good measure. And some acid. To encourage it into faultless sewing, no doubt. No, to obliterate her. My race has no need of females. Wouldn't that damage the house too? I have good materials which can withhold blasts of magnitudes your puny human mind could not conceive of. Hmm. Well, I'm sold. When can you start? So, um, during the episode, I think there's something that we really need to address here. And that is, what an awesome milliner the BBC have got. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I've never been so excited by the couture of the hats in an episode as this. Some beautiful, beautiful top hats. I loved how the Doctor's was bashed in and weathered like he was Mm. the artful dodger somehow. And and I like his shirt because it's like two sides, the collar's two sizes too big for him. And it's from like the year 1990 something. And he's just turned down the collars to make it look like a wing collar. Very good. But the hats... The oh, yes. The milliner had no part in the collar, Andrew. He had no part in the collar. <laughs> there, there was a disgusting hat, which was Madame Vastra's dead bird, which I like to think of, um, you know, maybe the bird flew into the hat and parish, perished with its head on one side. But the best hat is, I think, a tie between the lovely embroidered tam shanter that the fairly naff child actress had and Clara's hat oh. when she gets out the carriage, which is just oh, yes. gorgeous. The, fair, the fairly annoying child actress that, that waited an age before she finished her words, like tonight. Which is weird, because <sighs> almost universally in the Moffat era, the child acting has been excellent. Mm. The, kid, the kid who played the brother was pretty good. I think RP was um, very important back in the Victorian era. She was speaking properly. Yeah, but I thought it was slightly unnecessarily elongated. It creeped me out slightly. You can always measure the calibre of somebody by how convincingly they cry. And uh, there was some pretty unconvincing crying going on there. (laughs) Here's the element that I really liked of the episode. It was that the Doctor's story kept trying to assert itself. The fact that there was a one-word test meant that there's probably a whole succession of young women who kept (laughs) trying to start being the companion, like the universe was trying to start the Doctor's story again. And he was just blocking it and blocking it. 
But whatever he does, he he tried to walk away, but the universe was like, nope, this is what you do. You find another companion and mm. you go out and you That's travel. Lovely. And it just, it was like an engine turning over and then it finally caught. So is there something about um, Clara, therefore, because she comes up with Pond and that can't be a coincidence. Mm. No. She obviously knew that that was an important word to him. Well, her dying yeah. words are the same. So we know she has a connection with Souffle Girl. We know that Oswin is part of her in some way. So I would hope that the reason that she impulsively just chased after the doctor's carriage and the fact that she kind of knew that Pom was going to be important is some kind of connection between selves. I don't think the doctor's been more aware of that than he was willing to admit, particularly when he, you know, you get to the point where he, he explains that, you know, he never knows why he only knows who. Mm, and I love that sense of faith that he's got in her and the fact that she's going to survive. He, he really believes that she's the next companion and he just believes she's going mm. to survive. And you think, oh, well, she will then. That'll be fine. And then the moth turns the tables on the audience and she blimmin' dies. Yeah, damn mm. you, Stephen. Oh, I know. But I think that was brilliant. Yeah. Mm. I it, not just because I like seeing people dying on TV. I do, by the way, but no, mm. not really. It's a, It just, that was such a nice, it, rather than make it all lovely at the end, like yeah. like what happened in the last Christmas special. Mm. Actually, somebody did die this time. It's just that it may not be the whole person. Mm. Um which is also genius in itself, and I like the fact that it means the only que- that we are not just thinking about the one question now when the new series starts. We're mm. thinking about two of them, and that's good. I well, think. you know, Stephen <clears throat> Moffat loves the meta, doesn't he? Mm. And we can see that in really broad strokes again with the Sherlock Holmes reference and the Sherlock yeah. theme <laughs> coming in, and that's really good fun. But he also knows that the audience uh, is aware that Clara is the new companion, and so to kill her off once in Asylum of the Daleks was so like, ah, you thought she was the new companion. She's dead now. And then he pulls off the same <laughs> trick again. It's glorious, I think. Yes. Especially yeah. seeing as the whole way down as she was falling, I was like, oh, he'll he'll get her. Yeah. He'll get mm. her. He'll just materialise around her. And then you're like, thump. Oh. What? What the <laughs> heck? I thought it was very unfair of Stephen Moffat to connect the TARDIS, beautiful though it was, to the Earth with a spiral staircase because I've got a huge fear of spiral staircases Ooh, really? going up and down. Oh, gosh. What, is it because you get dizzy going up and down? No, I just worry that I'm going to fall. Mm. Oh, how... They're somehow. just curvy staircases, that's all. I like the fact that it was dimensionally transcendental. I love that. Yes, taller on the inside, inside. Mm. of the staircase. <laughs> but it was also such a beautiful design with mm. a wrought iron that's been stained blue. Oh, just beautifully mm. thought out. And There's going to be some it? fan art of that. Have we said how beautiful this whole episode looks? And no, how we have Brilliantly it was Not designed. now, yes. I agree. It was. Yeah, Absolutely it was, stunning. It was. Ravishing. Yeah. Great, some great lovely. camera placements as well. Some lovely yeah. framings. And we th- we thought the Victorian London in The Next Doctor was good. Well, the series keeps evolving. It yeah. does. Leaps and bounds. But it wasn't in HD then either, was it? So, Do you think that Clara is Mrs. Jagaroff? No. Okay. What? <laughs> From City of Death. There's a character that gets kind of split up, so there's multiple selves all over time. So really... We're we're gonna find a scene where she takes her disguise off, and really she's just like a massive rubber ball band, rubber band ball head, yes. underneath it all. Yeah. Fantastic! I'm with, looking with forward Brillo, to it. with burlo pads for ears. Yeah, that's if I remember right, an evil laugh just like Julian Glover's. Yeah. Uh, Excellent. Uh, uh, oh. I don't know how Julian. Glover I have laughs. one. I have one question about Clara. Go on. If if her name is Clara Oswin Oswald, does that mean the next time we see her, she has to be called Oswald? 
Oh, that's a bit weird. Mm, yeah. Let's hope Oswald, not. Clara, okay, so um, we're coming to the end of the episode now. If I could ask all of you chaps to encapsulate your feelings about this episode in a single word or phrase. I thought it was a heady concoction. I thought it was magical and assured and not afraid of... Uh, being emotionally real, but also very, very scary sometimes. Can we cut him down to a phrase, please? Um, the Doctor Retires was a Douglas Adams plot, and I'm really glad to have seen it finally played oh, no. out in such a brilliant way because I it was just glorious. That. Yeah, it was the one he wanted to do that he, he kept pushing for because he thought the production team would just cave to him at some point, but in the, the end they didn't, so he had to write Sharda. And my feelings about this episode were Hell yeah Hell to the yizzle That's right And I am absolutely wetting my pants in excitement Wetting my bloomers With um, intrepidation and anticipation of the coming series And all the delights therein I love intrepidation as a word Which I guess is a fusion of trepidation and Intrepid and intrepid, yeah. Mm, well, no, I was just in trepidation, but oh, yes, I see. intrepid. Ah, trepidation is bad, though, isn't it? Yes, yeah. because there were some parts of that trailer which looked very, very scary. Well, as as we're coming around the end of this episode, and the clocks of time are winding down and other things that make more sense than that as opposed to the, the clocks of pasta the polystyrene <laughs> lottery dome of the great intelligence has blown <laughs> out its snow in the direction of alpha as he gives us this week's haiku the snowman he hides in the clouds till right one begs his return not just snowman thor Ah, uh, see what he did. Oh, did you say it's our hearts? What are falling? Did you introduce it as the snowman or the snowman? The snowman. Oh, good. Fine. Yeah, because right. that's the right title, so that was good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I worked really hard on that spelling. Good. good. Thank you. Well good. done. Glad. Good lads. Well done. Well, we hope that you will join us next time. Yep, we're back in rotation now until Gallifrey, where we're all going. We're all going to LA. So. Oh my goodness. <laughs> So, so hey, so, so back in rotation means the next episode will be out in around May. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you see us at Galley, please come up and say a big fat hello, or a thin hello, or just a medium-sized hello. Yes. Or or, or hi. Or yeah. hey. Hiya. Watcher. Or <laughs> any of those. All of them. Yeah. If or, possible. All right, dudes. Or... Got you good in, Ms. Dums. <laughs> hey. Yeah, any of those. That's right. But for now, rather than saying hello, it's time for us all to say goodbye. It's coming on Christmas, get ready for the freeze. There's an army of snowmen and a feeling of unease Oh, I wish I had a rain cloud I could float away on It snows all the time 
here, worst I've ever seen I used to get involved but now I've quit this crazy scene Oh, I wish I had a rain cloud I could float away on I wish I had a staircase so long I could hide my sorrows up above the sky Oh, I wish I had a rain cloud I could float away with wit she pushed all my buttons and made me act like a twit oh i wish i had a rain cloud i could float away oh. i'm so hard to handle i'm ancient and i'm sad now i have to search through time for new adventures to be had oh i wish i had a rain cloud I could float away on I wish I had a staircase so long I could hide my sorrows up above the sky Oh, I wish I had a rain cloud time to say goodbye It's coming on Christmas Get ready for the freeze There's an army of snowmen And a feeling of unease Oh, I wish I had a rain cloud Yes, children? Say something in your special voice. Chill, brethren. We be German big butty style. No, no, not that voice. That one is super racist. You know the one we mean. Of course we do, precious. 
We know exactly the ones you mean. We love little hobbity hobbits like yours. Okay, that is seriously freaking me out. What was that supposed to be? It's a me, Mario. Back away from her, Digby. Really slowly. There is no Run! Happy birthday, Mr. President. <laughs>